0: So let's be thankful for another day in this year cause it's more than we've promised and it's worth fighting for. Oh, today is the best day. And there is a kind of a glass ceiling. We just have to keep like pushing at it and then like just busting, busting through and creating our own, our own, our own work. I think that's the most important thing. What I, one of the things that I've really discovered is to stop waiting on other people to say yes to you.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the I Want Her Job podcast. Today, our guest is Alicia Gaddis and introducing Alicia is going to take a little while because she does so many creative things professionally. She's an Emmy and Grammy winner, the co-founder and co-star of Lucky Diaz and the Family Jam, the song you just heard in the opening of this show. They are the first Americans ever to win a Latin Grammy in the children's category. The band has been celebrated by NPR, People Magazine, USA Today, and more. Alicia is also currently starring in the TV show Lishy Lu and Lucky 2 as part of the Emmy Award winning show The Friday Zone of PBS. And as a comedian, she has opened for Drew Carey, Sarah Silverman, and more. She has performed at top comedy venues, been hailed as a giggle goddess, and we are not done yet. She has a book called Women's Comedic Monologues that are actually funny and two more on the way. And on top of all that, maybe most importantly, Alicia is sweet and nice and beautiful and clearly one of those people who light up a room and make every day just so fun and beautiful. So let's get started so we can learn more about this amazing lady. Hi, Alicia. Uh, Welcome. I have to admit, I'm a little nervous about the show because I'm not very funny, but I just loved you immediately after reading about you (laughs) and your work, and you're just living proof of a fabulous
0: life and career, so. Oh my god, Really? And um, I'm not often that funny when I'm just talking. Now I'm nervous I'm going (laughs) to have to be. (laughs) And I appreciate the compliment. It's lovely to chat with you today. Thank you. Uh, so can we start with, can you tell us about your current jobs? Sure. Um, so currently I have, I guess, you know, a multitude of jobs. One of the main things I do is with my husband, we're in a band called uh, Lucky Diaz in the Family Jam Band. And it's a band for um, kids and families. And we spend, you um, about six months of the year touring all over the country and um, internationally. And uh, via that, we also have a television show on PBS called Lishi Lou and Lucky 2 and that we just did our first season. We had 26 episodes and we're about geared up to do the second season, which is really exciting, and then I'm also an author and an editor, and I uh, had a book come out yesterday, so that was pretty exciting. It's the fourth in a series of books I've done for Howl and an Applause. So I'm pretty much have my hand in a lot of pots all at once, and that's just like the few of the big ones. But I'm always trying to do something new and create art in different ways.
1: Wow, you see what I mean? You're proof of, uh, <laughs> of <animal laughs> Look, so how did this happen? How did you end up starting this band? And how did you get your own TV show?
0: Well, the episode, I met my husband, Lucky, and I was touring as a stand-up comic. And I had come from um, – I had moved from New York. I was doing a show on Broadway there, and I moved from New York to Australia to do a show at the Sydney Opera House there and then moved to L.A. to do a television show and I did a television show for HBO that ended up not airing and I was about ready to go back to New York and Lucky came to one of my shows at the comedy store and didn't know it was a comic and he tells a much better version of it. He said he heard me laughing and saw me outside and didn't know it was a comic and then I disappeared and then I ended up being on stage and from that we we were together instantly and lucky's always been a songwriter and a musician and so when we first started the band it, he i kind of was forcing him and encouraging him to do a the, do children's music because he has a daughter who's now my stepdaughter, Ella, and he was writing songs for her at bath time and, and he was doing adult music as well. But I thought, this these songs are amazing. We have to record them. And I'm kind of a very naive slash optimistic person. I think naivete is really important in terms of rejection because I'll just send stuff out and be like, I don't care anymore. I've been rejected more times than you could ever imagine. <laughs> so I just blindly put things in the universe. So we recorded an album, and um, basically, Lucky was doing that album by himself because I was still touring as a comic, and but I was I was helping him and. Then he got a phone call that said, will you come perform in Tulsa for us? And he was like, perform in Tulsa? What are you talking about? And they said, "Your one of your songs, Blue Bear, on this EP, has been number one on Sirius XM for 16 weeks. And we were like, what? We had no idea. We didn't have Sirius XM. I don't even think we had a radio in our car. And <laughs> and Lucky's a, pretty much an introvert. He uh, And I'm not. I'm an extrovert, obviously. And so he was a, quite nervous to... To perform in this capacity in this way you know has been he's a little he's a very serious guy and he thought i don't want to be a weird bearded dude up there <laughs> performing for kids and i said well i'll come i'll come help you you know my my background is theater and i i'm a performer so i started performing in the band with him and so from then on we've just done it always together and we have a band and um yeah so that's how the band started now we have seven albums and you know, have been very fortunate with like the accolades and what and the things that we have been able to do with the bands, and then from the bands, people kept saying, "As oh, you, you know, you guys really need a television show. You need a television show because we kind of are we're characters on stage. We're versions of ourselves that are highly amplified with costumes. And the reason why the costumes came <laughs> to play was because people kept noticing if I'd wear a dress twice." So it became easier, like, people would be like, didn't you wear that dress in Minnesota? I'd be like, ah, oh, how did you know? Why are you paying so much attention? Uh, like the moms who are amazing. And um, But then, so I have a costume, and we worked, and um, we started getting asked to do Sprout, um, a, t- a TV network called Sprout. We'd go on their sunny side-up show as characters in their morning show. And then people kept, kept saying, like, you guys should have your own show. And so we... Went through a lot of different deals with a bunch of different networks. And then we said, you know, let's just make it on our set, our own. We've made every single album on our uh, by ourselves. And since my background is television and acting, I thought, uh, you know, we can do this. And I kind of acted like it was the biggest master class of my life. I bought every single book on how to produce a television show and talked to every single one of my friends who actually produced giant television shows out here in L.A., and took notes, and we did the entire thing, Lucky and I, with the help of our friends, um, Danny Erb and Jordan Warren and Susie Hayasaka and Misty Madden just a, a, and Mike, a player. These, like, every person we knew, we pulled on their talents. Matt Fackrell, like, just everyone around us we were like, we want to make the show. Let's do it. And we made on our own 26 episodes, and PBS, uh, the show, The Friday Zone, picked up the content to air it. And so it was very us, once again, just making it up as we go along and not taking no for an answer. So, yeah, we we did. Everybody, let's go for it. And we did, and it worked out. I mean, the show got, you know, got nominated for three Emmys, and we won one. So that was, like, a huge big deal to be making it up as we go along.
1: Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about how how you ended up here. So. You, you were, can you tell us about your work in comedy, and sure. when did you know you were going to do comedy? Is it something people always said to you, like, you should do this in front of an audience? Uh,
0: that's a good question. I always loved performing. Like I was one of those kids who would, if my parents had people over for dinner, I would be like, okay, guys after dinner, there's a show in the living room for 25 cents where you're going to see me tap dance. You know, like I was, I was just always one of those kids putting on shows and creating and then, so I knew I wanted to, um, to follow my passion and it was, it it was an interesting thing. There's people constantly along the way who, um, I fortunately, you know, this may sound like rah, 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 but I was... Uh, very good at school like so I excelled at school and so I was either going to go into political science or acting and people so many people said to me you're going to waste your intelligence if you go act you're going to do all these things where it's quite contrary you know you you embrace everything of who you are when you're doing what you really love and so I uh, thankfully my parents and um were very supportive and I ended up going to NYU to study acting and drama and loved it. I love New York. And I, I, you know, at the time I thought I wanted to be a dramatic actress because I that's what I, because that's what I was exposed to. I think, I think I thought like you had to be a dramatic actress to be taken seriously, but I was always good at making people laugh and that made me feel like, if I could make people escape from their problems, and it was, it's like that saying goes, I, I'll botch it up, but it's like, if you can make people laugh and open their mouths with laughter, that's when you can pour the castor oil in. Mm-hmm. Like, you can make people see more truth when you're making them laugh than if you're, like, preaching to them. Yeah. So that always, like, really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I started – I started I – started, I, I started, doing everything though like as soon as I graduated from college I did a show you know off Broadway that was a very dramatic piece and then I performed avant-garde movement but at the same time I was studying improv and thankfully I had a a mentor that said to me have you ever done stand-up and I said no and she said well come I, I really like these things you've written and these stories you told me why don't you come open at this comedy club and I had because I'm say yes to everything I said sure and it ended up being I was at Gotham Comedy Club in New York opening for Ray Romano on my very first show Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I was just and it was petrifying and exhilarating and I had never felt that energy and that that the audience just feeding off of you like you're feeding off of them and so I knew that was a place for me to belong to but as I as I really went down the road of comedy I was very into it I was performing 5 nights a week in stand up and in improv and starting my own improv groups and starting my own sketch groups So many different options that came up that that since I said yes to them, now I have this career that's even more lush and vibrant and fulfilling than what I would have thought I wanted when I started out. Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning when you're doing comedy and you're like, this is the road to comedy. I want to be on this show or do this thing or this is what success looks like in this field and you, and i think uh, for me i shaped that opinion when i was really young and and that's all i knew and so now you see all these artistic opportunities and these Creative things that exist outside what you even knew existed, and you, you know, and it's such a pleasure to be able to say yes to these fantastical opportunities. Like I never thought I'd have a book series based on for monologues for for, for comedic monologues for actors. Like I always thought I'd be the one doing the acting, mm-hmm. but you can do both and do so many things if if you're open to what the universe I think presents you. Yeah, and so how did you come up with the idea for this book series? Um, well. I had pitched, we my, my husband and I, twofold I guess, my husband and I had this massive book series that was picked up for children's books for um, Barnes and Noble and it was this great thing, I probably shouldn't even say that, but it was this big uh, book deal and it was really exciting and then it uh, fell through because of contracts, just contractually, it didn't work out. And so I was pitching all this other stuff with my literary agent, and it was almost all children's books because we were doing the children's music, and it was what was coming naturally to me to write and to do. And then one night, and like I'd mentioned previously, I was. Um, at this time still producing comedy and a lot of the co- and I was producing this online um, magazine. I had this online magazine called Say Something Funny bitch and it was all mostly all women writers and it was these it was fabulous columns and we were syndicating the column to all different places, Comediva, College Candy, and it was becoming this amazing thing. And at the same time I was doing the stand up comedy of the same name and it was mostly all women on the on the um, docket, and it was these, and we were selling out all these shows, and all these amazing, powerful women who were becoming my friends were performing and creating and doing. And so one night, I woke up after like I think another rejected book thing came back, and I was like, you know what? All these, all of my friends should be famous. Like all of my friends are so talented, and only a hundred people are seeing them perform a night. Like. These, everyone needs a bigger platform, and I said I have all of this writing that they have written so much for this online magazine, and they also have all their comedy, and so I wrote this pitch of making it these pieces that they had already done um, at the time. All all the rest of the contents new, but for the women's comedic monologue that are actually funny book, um, I pulled stuff that we already had, and I pitched it to my agent and it was kind of like off the cuff i kind of sent it didn't think about it and it of course like the thing you kind of come up with at the last moment, it got picked up the fastest. They were like, Hal Leonard and Applause books have been amazing. Like They've been like, sure, this sounds fantastic. We don't have anything like this. And so all my friends who had worked so hard on that column and had faith in, in me producing their work for so long now had like a platform and now are all published. And now I get to work with, I think I've worked with since for the course of these six books over 200 writers and I edit all their work and then compile them and also contribute my writing as well and yeah so that now it's a now it's a series and it's pretty exciting to see it happen I love that so
1: you just come up with the ideas and you pitch them and you out to the universe and they seem to work
0: (laughs) I do well I pitch about I mean The ones that work are working, but I pitch so many things all the time. Like I'd say, for the one that works, there's probably been maybe 200 fails, failed ideas behind that. I mean, there have been like so many, so many harsh, harsh rejections. Like this year, we had this this massive television show that was literally one yes from being like this big thing and I I usually don't take things that hard but we had worked on the show for like a year and a half so I mean it's great because you see the successes people see the successes but they often don't see the the rejection behind it and the only reason why I bring that up is because I talk to so many of my friends who are my friends and my colleagues and who say, like, oh, you're doing so well. And I say, "But yeah, but, you know, we're also, these are all the failures. Like, we just have to keep going from those failures. Like, they just, you know, they'll knock you and knock you and knock you, but that idea will come. You know, my husband and I, my husband always talks about how, ideas are just balloons around you, like you're walking around, and there's all these helium balloons of ideas walking around you all the time. And all you have to do is just reach up your hand and keep pulling them down. Like the ideas are there. Some of them may be good. Some of them hopefully are excellent. But the ideas are there. You just have to keep producing it because there's going to be yeses and there's going to be noes. So, you know, I just keep trying to put out the good ones, (laughs) hopefully.
1: And I think that's so important that you, you you know, you shared with us, you know, takes 200 to get one. And I think that that should encourage people who who think, you know, how do I get to this, you know, point in life where I'm so successful? It's just, you know, fearlessly just keep on going, right? And don't Hope take those. Yeah.
0: That's what I think. I think that that's exactly the right word. Like fearlessly going, fiercely doing and passionately going. Because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, hot, it's very difficult to come up with, or to to keep going in that same vein. There's so many times where you think, is this worth it? Is anyone, you know, is anyone going to take this idea seriously? But the truth is, like, if it is in your heart and in your spirit, if those things are coming into your mind, then that's already worth it. It's already your ideas, people's perspectives, are already worth being heard, and so if, you know, if, if people are, one person is a critic one day, one person has that idea the next day. You know, I've pitched, for example, my literary agent. People constantly say to me, how did you get a literary agent? You know, I had, I'd written for a few blogs, I'd written maybe in like two magazines on stuff I just blindly submitted, but I didn't have anything. I didn't have a real book finished, I just had some ideas. But I knew it was in me to do it, and my husband, you know, and I, and I pitched to over two hundred and fifty literary agents, whoa, whoa. like two hundred and fifty. I'm not joking. And I got rejected by all but two, and one was like a really creepy guy who I think was a <laughs> fake literary agent, <laughs> and one was my agent Sarah Camilli, who I've been with her for now four or five years and she has done so much for me and she's a gem and she has amazing artists on her roster who are like New York Times bestsellers and, and she has literally had so much faith in me where I'm just like, I don't know, Sarah, and she'll say, We can do this. But I got reject, like literally I have all the rejection emails in a folder. That's <laughs> like that. live 250. And I, I say, you know, but if I hadn't sent that 249th email maybe I wouldn't have had it, and I'm, like, I mentioned before, I'm crazy like that, like, I, I can't take no for an answer, because there's no other choice for me, like, I have to keep, I mean, there's plenty of choices, and I would, gratefully, if the, you know, if something happens, I'd have to do something else, but I, but it's what's, it's what my path is, my path is to hopefully make art that affects people, and makes people feel good, and want to live their best life, like, that's that's I'm, my uh, where my husband and I are in the process of like creating this whole new brand about for people like living their best lives because I'm so passionate about it and because people often ask us like how do you do all this stuff how is it just you guys what's your who's your big team that's working for you and we're like are no us us and a really great publicist who we love <laughs> that's it. You know, and so I I want to do whatever I can to, like, inspire people to not give up and to and to be able to have their ideas come into fruition. I just think it's, like, the most exciting thing.
1: Going 250, a lot of people would have stopped, I think, at, you know, at 50. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so true. It's yeah. so true. I mean, the same with all the books I've written. I mean, I have folders with, like, pitches and rejections and some of them are hard and some of them you just keep going and I think it can go to it it can transfer to anything in life like you know so many people so many of my girlfriends right now are dealing with um getting rejections for jobs that they're overqualified for mm-hmm. and, and job offer, you know, and marketing and all these things. And you're thinking, why is, why is this person? Well, you know, we don't know why there's no real reason why, unless you ask the person, maybe, maybe they hired their second cousin, or maybe they're these women. One of my friends just got married and she feels she's been definitely discriminated against because her, her, possible new the new boss can see she just got married via her online honey fund and now it asked her in the interview if she plans to have children right away. It's like is that legal you know but there's no there's no there's no reason why or exact purpose we could pinpoint of why things don't work out sometimes. But it doesn't mean you have to stop there. You know, if it's in your heart and it's something you want I don't think any manifestation or any dream is crazy. Yeah, and I was looking. I was looking back because I thankfully got the opportunity to speak with you guys or do an interview in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that. It was just like before you guys had the the podcast. So it was 2011 and I was answering, I was like a questionnaire and kind of talking to you all and um, talking to Brianna, Brianna. And um, I had, the, you guys had asked me like, where do you see yourself in five years? That was like the very last question. And I wrote on this thing or answered I see the band winning a Grammy, which now we've won and have been nominated twice. I said I see working with my friends and having some of my, my books published. I see myself happily married. I see myself with two children. I see myself with the card company that I have with, that are listed in different boutiques. Like literally all those things seemed totally insane at the time. And now they've all happened. Like, they all manifested. And I think putting them out there at the time, I was, like, almost embarrassed. Like, oh, everyone's going to judge me and be like, this this girl really thinks she's going to have a Grammy like, and have a business and this is all these things are going to happen. But they did, and I'm pregnant right now. I'm, like, eight months pregnant currently <laughs> sitting here. So, like, I, and I have a stepdaughter and, I, and I'm having a baby, and all these things were hard to come by. None of it has been because someone's been, like, here you go. I mean, we've had lucky breaks, but it's taken a lot of hard work and dedication to what, to what it is that the goals are. But I just want, I just hope that people know that, that never let someone tell you your dreams and your, and your goals are too big or too silly or too fruitless because if they're yours, then they're there to be manifested.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you. I know self-help people always say you have to envision the life you want. So right. you were obviously very <laughs> successful at that. And what about your early influences? Did your parents influence your career path or where do you think you got this drive and this um, ability to not be affected by rejection and this vision?
0: Oh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, my father is a football coach. He is a high school football coach, and he's actually one of the most, he is the number one most winning football coach in the last 10 years in the state of Indiana. Wow. So I grew up, though, at a time when his career was not the best. You know, we moved a lot, and now he's like incredibly winning, but there were some trials and tribulations, and every Friday was pretty much do or die, like our family, depending if we got to stay at that school, because he always was at recruiting schools, a really big deal, you know, if football in Indiana, is was like, was very serious, <laughs> and so I grew up with mantras all around me, literally mantras, like my dad spoke to us in, in mantras, like, Gattis' always win, work wins, practice like a champion, you <laughs> know, <laughs> i mean, being mysterious, there's no I in team, and so I grew up seeing that the work ethic of every week had a payoff or it didn't. Yeah. And, but, but the thing about it that I think I learned the most was at the end of the week, you assess your damages. Like my dad says, you survive, you conquer, and you move on. <laughs> so you, su- you assess your damages and, your, and the, the pros and the cons of what happens, and then you move on. Mm-hmm. Monday, you're going to play another team. So you can't be like, I'm the best ever. I just won this game because on Monday, no one's going to care and you're facing a whole new lineup. So I grew up in this incredibly competitive environment and I've I've always been incredibly competitive, but more competitive with myself rather than like, one thing I'm grateful for is that I'm not competitive with other women. Like I have really surrounded myself with like such an amazing community where we really lift each other up but I'm very competitive with myself. I always think I can do better and want to do better. It's what drives me a lot of the time. And my mom is a um, kindergarten teacher. So she always had the like severe optimistic attitude of like, we can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So it would be like, Work wins. You got to do it. My mom would be like, everything's okay, everybody. Yeah. Here's, a, here's like a lasagna. <laughs> so it was, it was a very um, perfect ju- juxtaposition that kept, kept my family going. But it would you know, and, and I see my dad's hard work after all these years, you know, because as I mentioned, he had some very rough seasons. But now, I mean, he's been undefeated in his regular season, his conference for I think fourteen years, I mean, completely undefeated, and to see how that that's gone, and how much I mean, his his job is his life, and 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 to see that in in his family and and whatnot, but it's his passion. He does it because he loves it. Like he doesn't want to retire. He and that's. That's fueled me into the kind of person of, like, pick what you're passionate about. Do what you want to do every week because every week you have to pick yourself back up and, and start again. So I think that was uh, – being in that environment really shaped who I am in that capacity with my mom and my dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I, that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like a very happy and just nurturing and, um, and competitive – like you said, are there mantras that go through your mind right now or the you know even
0: yeah. every week? Oh, my God. I have to... My brother, actually, as I mentioned... Let me go. It's across the room. I'm going to walk over there with the computer. But my brother just sent me... Oh, I don't... I lied. I don't know where it is. My brother... I'm expecting a baby. It's a baby girl. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother just sent me a onesie that he had made that literally says, practice like a champion, work wins, uh, and then it says, grind like a gaddis. <laughs> and he, And I mean, it's literally embedded into me. I mean, every day I'm like, okay, work wins. Like, you gotta work. Especially because I work for myself. So if I don't work, if I don't put the work in, then. It, no one's gonna care. <laughs> Number one, nobody's gonna care if I don't if I don't produce any more work. They may be like, "What happened to her?" Oh, she moved into a cabin by the woods, which would be great, but not my choice right now. But like you know, but if I don't show up, no one's gonna call me and be like, "Are you sick today?" I have to call myself and be like, "You have to put the work in today." And I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day, and a lot of people, you know, you can a lot of people say they're writers, but then you say, what are you writing? And even if you're writing in your journal, then you're a writer. But if you're not sitting down to do the work every day, just a little chip, like every day, like, you know, David had to be chipped out of the stone. Like we have to chip every single day to make a masterpiece. It doesn't, you don't just look at it in the ice thaws, you know? So it's, it's, It's important to put that work in, but every day I have those mantras that come into my head that are like reminding me to keep going, especially being very pregnant right now. I'm like not as uh, fast moving as I usually am. (laughs) So, uh, and people are like, How are you still doing all that you're doing? I'm like, It's not nearly enough, but I have to give myself breaks sometimes too. That's very important as well. Yeah. So, let's talk about that. So, have you
1: always been self independent? Have you ever had a nine to five job?
0: I've always, let's see, well, there's always been jobs that have filled the space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always worked since I've probably been 14. I started, you know, hostessing at a restaurant then was a lifeguard and then worked on a farm and, and every job you can possibly imagine. I've had that job. You know, I've worked at a salon, I've done everything. And I love that too. I love having those life experiences. And if, and if, for 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 the last, I don't know, seven, six, seven years, maybe six years, I have not uh, had another job that's not what I'm doing now. So I'm very grateful for that, and that could change at any moment. But um, before then, I'd be in a show. I'd be in a great show for three months, and then the, you would collect, you know, you'd have what, you're, you'd be financially stable after that for another month, and then you'd be trying to get more work, and so then you'd pick up a job waiting tables, or you'd, you know, I was working at a call center selling tickets to, well, this was one of the most things where I had to really pick myself up uh, and evaluate things, I was, I was working at a theater company selling tickets for touring shows that were coming into town and I was like oh this is perfect because I do theater and here's the thing but then I started having to pitch my friends' shows like sell tickets to shows of my friends and it was kind of devastating because I was sitting there working and I had to work you have to survive you you should never be ashamed of what you need to do to make your dreams come true, to continue working. Um, But it was also very motivating because it made me be like, look, people are still able to do that. And um, I've just been very fortunate in the past few years to supplement in ways, you know, and be able to do what I do. But yeah, before that, in my in my early 20s, I was like hustling. I was always hustling. I was bartending and waiting tables and doing shows at night and doing uh comedy and writing with friends and that that was a fun time. I mean it was a hard time but it was fun. I mean you were with your friends and it didn't matter. We had, you know, a bunch of us living in an apartment from in New York and then I was living here with a bunch of my guy friends and we were um doing an improv team and people would come over all during the day and practice in our living room. We move the furniture and then we would go out for cocktails and then for dinner and then maybe go to one of our friends' shows or we have a show. And that's a real creative hub you know and then you then for me I that helped me almost to harness what I wanted to do later on in life like not later on in life I'm still not that old thankfully but you know I, it made me focus because I had this large gamut of things that I had experienced and I knew the kind of life that I really wanted to go for and that kind of life was a creative one like I wanted to make work that I got paid for that was that was creative and um And that's why I hope for most of my friends who still want to do it as well. Since you're, you know,
1: early 20s, you were going to do creative work. And if that meant, you know, doing side jobs, you were always okay with that, right?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there, there, there was never really like a panic about it because everyone that I'm around was doing the same thing. I mean, and it's amazing. Like right now. I have so many friends who are on television shows, who are writers on shows, who are writing for these amazing magazines. Like you see all those people who are hustling and working and laughing and creating that now their careers are starting to really pop. And that's like the most exciting thing is to see everyone who's kind of been able to, to stick with what they want to do. And and there's nothing wrong with changing your path in life, you know. I've had a lot of friends who've moved on, who have different careers, who said that this this road was not fulfilling and too hard, or or decided they wanted something different. And there's no judgment in that. We each have to follow our own path, whatever that is. Because if your path changes and you decide you want to, you know, move somewhere and start a co-op, and you used to act like there's no judgment for anyone because we all have in us what we are supposed to do but my friends who stayed here and put in the time and uh, I really see their careers soaring and that's that's incredible and it also is a you know something that, you, that I think that I would tell younger actors who get out to LA or to New York or whatnot is you do I mean there's the lucky few who get plucked out of oblivion and like had these amazing careers when they're 23, but there's a lot, you know, we're in our early 30s and everyone's kind of like really coming into their own and the hard work paid off, those writing groups paid off, the, you know, the readings paid off, the multitude of stand-up shows, it's it's pretty incredible, like one of my friends who would perform stand-up like She's one of my best friends. She's performing comedy like seven nights a week, now writes on three different television shows. One of my other girlfriends literally was working a secretary job, got a phone call, that now she's a writer on Ellen. Wow. I mean, that was her first writing job. One of my other girlfriends was going on all these auditions. Finally, she's the um, a lead on a, a new sitcom that's out on NBC. I mean, you never know in this career when you're going to break. So it's it's hard to give up sometimes because you're like, you know, there's a saying that's, that my, you're just three feet from gold. Like you never know when you're in a cave and you're digging for gold and you're down in that mine and it's dark and it's hard and it's scary and you're breathing in it in all these fumes and you stop and you have no idea that you were just three feet from gold. You're just right there, you know, so... <laughs> It's always good to keep that in mind as well.
1: That's a good one because my next question was going to be, what
0: mantras do you like? Do you think would be helpful for people
1: who um, want to be successful in this type of work? Um, or do you see commonalities among your friends who who were able to stick it out and now are seeing success?
0: Yeah, I think it ties into that. There's um Oh goodness, what is that? There's a a silver mining town, it's not, oh Calico, Calico ghost town that's outside, it's on its way to Vegas. And we have to drive to Vegas a few times for shows or for events or whatnot. And um, you drive past Calico's, this ghost town. And it was this ghost town that used to be, like, the most booming silver mine company. And literally, it goes exactly with that mantra. The guy, this man, mined this town for 13 years and then was like, there's no more silver. And And it was horrible and everyone, like, had Outbreaks of whatever horrible diseases they had back then. He said, "I'm selling the whole town for like five dollars." This guy came in, and in a week, he found like the most silver ever existing in the West Coast. I think a lot about the fact that there's oftentimes feels like there's there is that glass ceiling, Um, for. Uh, for a lot of us i i work with mostly women in com- in my comedy but when i'm doing the band it's it's a lot of guys. the guy the, in our band is guys and i work with my husband but i'm working in comedy it's with a lot of women and there are you know uh, definitely not the the best things set up for women as we all know in this country and there is a kind of a glass ceiling we just have to keep like pushing at it and then like just busting, busting through and creating our own, our own, our own work. I think that's the most important thing. What I've, one of the things that I've really discovered is to stop waiting on other people to say yes to you because every success, honestly, that, that we've had, that's particularly big has come from us making our own work. And the same with a lot of my other friends, like whether it's come from a podcast that's been picked up or, them doing stand-up and someone saw or a pilot that they've written that's original it's you know you there's so many like i mentioned rejections here but when it's you just keep creating your own work and i think that could go with anybody like if anyone has an idea and to make it or a way to do a project or anything that's that comes from them that's not in the box and there's nothing wrong with the box if you're like coloring an amazing pattern within the box that no one expects but it's also okay to be outside of that as well and I I think you know for, for me and for my friends who have found success I think that's what I'm seeing is besides the tenacity and the determination and not giving up They're just being their authentic selves instead of what people have asked them to be like, oh, you have to be this, this, and this, whether that's like funnier, prettier, skinnier, fatter, more wait till you get older, wait till you can be in the mom category, wait until someone says yes to your television show, blah, you know, wait until you get picked up by a label, like we're in this new the stage of commerce, the commerce of art is on the internet. Like anyone can put up a Vimeo video or a YouTube or have a Snapchat account and put themselves out there. And yes, it's overwhelming. And yes, it's like it sometimes feels like you're putting it out into this abyss, but you can do it and you can feel like you're creating and moving forward in your own work without having to have anyone tell you, you should do this. Like just do it and then put it out there and see where the chips fall.
1: Was there, when was the last time you thought I want her job for something or for someone's career?
0: I try to study other women's careers that I admire. Rather than saying like I want her exact career, I I say I want my career to mimic that and this is why. Mm-hmm. Like I love looking, I'm reading. I love looking at Mindy Kaling's career currently. um, Amy Poehler's, Tina Fey's. I love looking at uh, people from the past uh, in terms of like Carol Chang. I love seeing women, or even like people who are just doing these amazing things with their with their life. And those people are specific to comedy and developing their own like empires almost of of creating television shows and having books and having a girl empowerment camps. Like I'm really interested in like women empowerment. And um, I think that's going to be a big deal in my future, but I try to like study what have they done? How did they, how did they do this? Who have they surrounded themselves with? How, you know, how did they make these leaps? And yes, I guess it is like, I want their job, but I want, it's not that I want their job. I want to know how they did their job so that I can have those clues on how to make my job better. (laughs) So it's, yeah, so it's, I I do I I love reading um, biographies on anyone and everyone I can get my hands on and 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 just seeing how people live their lives and the the ups and the downs, and I love when people are honest about who they are. I mean, one of my biggest obvious um, people is who I who I really look up to is Lucille Ball. You know, the first head of her own, her own. Her own production company and her own television show, and she was the first person pregnant on TV that didn't hide it. I mean, there's all these women who are leading the way for us, and I think we're just gonna continue to like bust the ceiling out. So,
1: (laughs) I was I was also gonna ask what books are on your nightstand because I'd love to hear what are some of your favorite biographies or other books that really motivate you. Uh,
0: Ah, what? I, one of my uh, probably downfalls is I read about uh, 12 books at a time. <laughs> like, I just don't, it depends. I'll have them all sitting here um, next to me, actually. So, let's see what I've got. No, I've got, actually, uh, I've got Yes, Please by Amy Kohler. I have the Barnes Foundation Masterworks. That's one of my favorite museums, the Barnes Foundation. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. I love it. I have Guarding the Moon, A Mother's First Year by Francesca Leah Block, because as I mentioned, I'm I'm due in less than uh, five weeks. Uh, So I'm trying to garner as much information from anyone who's come before me. I have right here, The 25 Ways to Awaken Your Birth Power by Danette Watson. It's amazing. It comes with like a, my friend Tiff got it for me. It's an Australian book, and it's super empowering. It's like about discovering your strength and um, being not afraid of birthing. I have writing musical theater. Oh, because that's something I'm working on, too. (laughs) We're working on, I'm really, really excited about it. We're writing a a musical. So I'm trying to, like I mentioned before, teach everything, or I treat everything like a master class, and um, I'm reading everything I can about musical theaters because I'm obsessed, and I've done it in the past, but... um, I, I love it. So, and that's the spot. You know, I love that. That's your approach. Can you,
1: so when you say you treat everything like a master class, like, so what, what does that mean? So what, what are the steps you take? Like, let you've decided to do musical theater. So what are the steps that you take to actually bring this into reality?
0: Well, I'm a Virgo and a type A personality. <laughs> I think that says a lot about how I approach things. I'm highly, uh, besides being like imaginative and, optimistic, I think I'm very, very practical. So the second I have an idea, whether it's like a book about monologues, or this musical theater, or my husband and I, like I mentioned, want to do this television show called Best... Uh, well, I didn't tell you. It's called Best Day Ever. And we, and whether whatever it is, I say, oh, so we're. I want to do a musical. Yes, I know about musicals. I've been in plenty of musicals. But what is the structure of the musical? What's happening right now in musicals? What are the... So I just first research everything like, like a crazy person. And then I uh, order every single book I can uh-huh. and go through it with highlighters of how, how to approach things and how to do it. So like I mentioned before is, I think, I think you would need structure to know the structure of what comes before you in order to bust out and, and create your own work. And there's nothing wrong if you're a, if you're a, modern painter, you need to study the classics and, and see where you're coming from. And so for me, I want to know what's come before me and anything that can help me do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to go see more theater. I'm going to figure out how, what's happening currently. I'm going to figure out not so that I can sh- uh, shape my art to fit that, but so wh- so I can know and be inspired by what's happening. So yeah, I treat it, I treat every, I just love, love new things. I mean, that's, I guess, a good thing and a bad thing about me is if I've done something, I'm like, okay, I've done it. Let's move on to the next thing that we can like really dig into. Like, does this make me feel excited? So if I feel excited about something, I'm just voracious about about wanting to learn about it, whether it's cooking, which I'm not that I've now realized I'm horrible at, or whether it's it's fashion or blogging or musicals or what or even travel I'm obsessed with traveling Where I'm always looking at travel blogs or travel places to plan our next trip but I think it's important to have a outlook where you where your intake is really high because I'm, I output a lot I output a lot of energy and um work. And so if I'm not intaking, if I'm not reading and going to museums and going to ballets and seeing new cultures, then then I'm depleting what I can get what I can put into my next project. So I constantly try to refill, refill the well. We ends, um what about some future
1: you mentioned the musical theater whether what else do you have lined up in the next? Where do you see yourself in 5 years since you were so good at predicting the last?
0: Oh, five? That's that's a, that's a scary one, right? Yeah, well that like I kind of touched on it. My husband and I are working on this big project that falls falls under um uh it's the best day ever and uh it's it's going to be about inspiring people to live their best lives and um and really inspiring inspiring and kind of carving in the way of people who feel like these ideas are so big and like, Oh, I want to, you know, whether it's, I want to open a shop on Etsy, or I want to have a bakery, or I want to be a CEO of my own Fortune 500, that every one of those things has doable steps. And like inspiring people to make, to while they're going for their goals and their dreams, to live each day fully for their lives, whether that's buying the actual latte you wanted on the way to work, or <laughs> wearing lipstick to the grocery store, or... Getting your boss a gift card for $5 to say thank you because that makes you feel good. Like, whatever is in that moment that can make you feel good in a small way to a really big day, like to going out into your own city and going to those restaurants that you've always wanted to go to. I can't tell you how often, because Lucky and I tour so much with the band, and we'll take all these pictures of us on these roadside attractions or at these these restaurants and people in those towns will message us and say i've always wanted to try that barbecue place how was it and we all have to like tap into ourselves and say let's stop saying like i've always wanted to let's just do it let's just like live our best life so under this umbrella Well, I want to, you know, I want to, we want to uh, have workshops and and do a television show and have like so many things that go under it. We're going to start this in 2016. Um, We're doing a lot of artists and residence classes at different universities. And I think that kind of falls under it, like workshops that can help, you know, the students, the graduate students and, and people to inspire them to live their best lives. So that's on the horizon. It's a really big endeavor. So it's going to be a lot of moving parts for a while. But then, yeah, we really want to write this um, musical theater piece. And it's not for children at all. It's like it's definitely an adult piece. And um, it has a lot of magic, magic realism in it. And so I'm, I talk about researching. I'm I'm researching uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. All this magical realism and all these things that are happening and song and dance and. Um, I'd like to produce more work, more television work. I really, really love acting. I love acting in the medium of television. So hopefully I'll be allotted more opportunities. And right now I'm just really hoping, too, to, like, birth a really healthy baby (laughs) to my first pregnancy. So I'm kind of petrified and excited at the same time. And I'm interested in how um, that's going to give to me a... and as I give to her, I guess, and this new role as um, a mother, because people keep saying to me, how are you going to do it? How are you going to travel? How are you going to do all these things? And I say, I I just am. Mm-hmm. I am because this is what I want to do. And I know it will be different, but we're taking the baby with us in two months to shows, and then we're flying to New York, and then we're flying to Portland. And and it will be different, but I believe that I want to also offer my child an integrated, enriched life. I want to travel abroad with her, and I want her to, I want, but most the most important thing I want to do is to live my best life, to live my best self to be an inspiration to her because I've wanted to inspire other people outside of me. But now this is, you know, someone I want to say, you know, you're a woman, you're a little lady and you can be empowered and a leader and do whatever you want to do. And if there are roadblocks, it doesn't matter. We're going to if people are not going to let you in the front door or the back door, you're going to dig a ditch through the (laughs) under the fence in the wine cellar up through the kitchen. Like we're going to get in there and get and make it happen.
1: So thank you so much. I love this call. And we're going to add show notes to all the work that you're doing, that you're going to do. And I hope that let's uh, let's do this again in a couple years. I can't wait to hear about all the new stuff that you've put into the world. Thank you so
0: much. My pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We'll give you bonus karma for leaving a review. And we're always available online at iwantajob.com. Until next time.